0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High
1: Sports. Welcome back to the show, Chandro Tar Nate Lundy with you sitting in Hi. from the uh, Sandy Clough is out in Texas. Uh, our next guest, always delighted to have him join us, because if you're talking Colorado, I mean you can't get more more Colorado than Montbello High School, University of, and now anchor over at CBS News Colorado. That's our friend Justin Adams. Justin Adams. TV on Twitter, Justin. Thanks so much. Uh, let's start with the Broncos because obviously we look at the, all the moves made, the, the larger uh, practice squads, the ability to add veterans. A lot of the moves there. Sean Payton ended up with, I believe, at my last count, uh, twelve players that were directly connected to him, either he had coached with, and I'm counting Philip Dorsett because he he himself pointed out how much he followed Dorsett and kind of hoped to draft him uh, when he went in the first round in 2015. How much of that is a surprise for you? Is any of it something that makes you concerned?
2: Uh, All of it makes me concerned, to be very honest with you. I'm still trying to figure out who's going to be our fourth wide receiver.
1: They don't have one right now on an active roster. Exactly.
2: So let's just say, I don't know, by chance, I don't know, first quarter, you know, Corlett Sutton goes over the middle. He gets dinged up for one reason or another. Now you're down to two wide receivers. So what are you going to do? Run three tight ends the whole time? I mean, there's a lot of things that you do have to be concerned about because there are times in games where you do need to go to three wide receiver sets, maybe even four wide receivers if you had that. And oh, by the way, let's say that you do keep the same type of wide receivers you have. Well, you traded away Albert O, which could have been your fourth wide receiver, even though we all know that he's not the best blocker in the world, but he's a matchup nightmare when you put him down out there in the outside. So. I'm just very interested to see how this all will come together. I don't think that this is done just yet. I think some of the guys who are on the practice squad, especially for the wide receiver position, will be making their way up. You just have to because you cannot go into a game with only three wide receivers.
0: Justin, when you sit and you look at the roster, though, and we talk about those practice squad guys, at at, at what point do you have to pull that trigger? At what point do you have to make that move prior to September 10th against the Raiders to give – guys the right amount of reps? I mean, it's easy to say, hey, we can make a change in week two or week three, but could it be possible that by the time you make that change, it's too late?
2: I think it is too late already. I mean, you think about it, no matter how much people say we're professionals and all this other stuff, you think about all the different things that guys have gone through already just to be able to have that camaraderie together, right? You think about OTAs, you think about all the off-season conditioning, you think about everything, the mini camps, right, and training camps. To so believe that you're going to have a guy like Philip Dorsett, for example, he's going to come into your system, be able to learn and work with Russell Wilson and understand um, you know, different things like, hey, hey, this is the way that we run our routes. Uh, this is the type of tempo that we have. To so believe that you're going to have all that come together in, in a week is going to be very difficult.
1: So for an off, a team that had dead last in on offense last year, 16.9 points a game, they obviously have to be better. Uh, I, you mentioned Albert Okawaben. Uh, Are you one of the folks that was on the idea after watching the final preseason game that the Broncos had to keep him or uh, nothing, none of this surprise you on, you know, we've talked about this a bit. Uh, I'm not surprised. I didn't think at any point he was going to be on this roster. I thought the Broncos did pretty well being able to trade him for something instead of just cut him. But Mm -hmm. did the injuries at the wide receiver position maybe change your perspective on that?
2: Well, that's the only thing that changed my perspective was the injuries. But then once you did make that trade, I thought, okay. Well, maybe you're going to make either a another trade or you're going to go into waivers and pick up a couple of wide receivers. Like, you're going to do something. Because at the end of the day, you still need depth at that position, right? So I thought that at worst, you keep a guy like a Kendall hitting around. Somebody who knows the Broncos, been around Russ last year. At least you will keep him around. Now you don't. And so I'm looking at this roster and I'm like, guys, if it's third down and seven, what am I going to do as a defense? I'm going to do this as a defense. I will double-team Cortland Sutton and say, somebody else beat me. Hopefully you have a screenplay or something like that or you could be able to run for seven yards because I don't have faith that the other guys currently on the roster are good enough to go and beat somebody else in order to pick up a first down right now.
0: All right, Justin Adams with us. Justin, let's switch from uh, the pros. Let's go back to the college ranks. Um, we know the hype. Uh, we know we we know everything. Uh, Buffs fans have been waiting months to get to tomorrow, um, how, how much is it going to sting uh, by the time the game is done? I mean, the point spread right now, TCU is favored by three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are Buffs fans going to be able to be excited no matter what? Or is there a scenario that you could see that people, you know, after 60 minutes of football tomorrow uh, on Saturday, are saying, okay, yeah, I wasn't expecting that?
2: If they get blown out. If they lose by four touchdowns, and, and, or and more, Justin,
0: Justin, let me, yeah, what, what? I was gonna say, what is a blowout to you? What, what's the number that you start to go? Okay, ouch, that stings.
2: Well, I, I'm always the guy that uh, we go under the Madden rules. You know how those are. If you get, if you're up 21 to nothing, three touchdowns um, deficit, then it's a blowout to me. So that's pretty much what the spread is, right? 20 and a half. And yep, so yep. you look at that and say, if the if the bus can't cover that then we have a lot of problems. But I'm a little bit more different than that. i say if the bus just don't look like a team that knows what they're doing. If they look like a lot of how they did last year, where you look at that roster, you said, what the heck are they putting out there? Then we will have some serious problems. But what happened with this is that, you know, Deion Sanders' coach prime, what he wanted to do was build his team from the outside in. That's all good and dandy if you have a spread type of system that they're going to use on offense, which is fine. My concern is this. Let's say it is a close game. TCU is going to be hot, all right? It's going to be hot down there in Dallas, okay? So you're going to have a team that possibly, if you're in a close game, and you need to stop the other team from rushing the football in order to pick up a couple of first downs, and you need to get the rock back at the end of the game to put your offense in a position to succeed. If you don't have a team that's able to do that, to be able to stop the other team from running the football – then you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. So that's just the only thing that I'm looking at in this game. How will both the offense and defense line be able to hold up against TCU?
1: Well, Justin, you've been in this situation. Obviously, you, you've played college football. There are 87 new players, only three returning starters. Obviously, when you look at the ideas for OTAs, training camps, and preseasons in the NFL, people have an idea of how much you can gel as a unit. The nature of professional football means there's a lot of turnover. It's expected. What's happening at CU is almost unprecedented. Have they had enough time to gel? How, what do you expect it to look like when you see them take the field
0: on Saturday?
2: I think on the outside, the special positions they've had, more than enough time to be able to gel. The issue, again, comes back to the line. And we all know this. It doesn't matter what level you come up in, high school, peewee, college, pros. It takes time for an offensive line to gel. Like, for example, with the Broncos. I wasn't too surprised about what happened in the Broncos' first preseason game against Arizona because, hey, those guys need time to be able to gel. I'm looking at what's what going to go on with the bus right now, and they need a little bit of time to be very honest with you. I don't know how this team would be, um, and I don't know how this team is going to hold up against a blitz or different things like that. And I think what's going to be interested is how would they handle the pressure? I mean, when TCU sends six rushers, how would they be able to handle that? When TCU lines up and says, we're going to run the football, and it's 99 degrees out there, 40% humidity, how would the guys be able to stop them? Those are the things that I'm really concerned about. So when you talk about do they have enough time, guys, they ran out of time. You just got to make do with what you have right now.
0: Justin, how much of this is preparing for Nebraska in a week and a half?
2: All of it is. Um, And to be very honest with you, from a national perspective, you don't want to get blown out because you still want to keep the spotlight on you as much as possible. You want, at worst, people to walk away and say, you know what, they didn't win this game, but, man, they do look good. You saw Shadur Sanders make a couple of plays. You saw Travis Hunter make a couple of plays. Uh, Dylan Edwards, a freshman who was a Notre Dame commit, um, now came to see you. Hey, they got some pieces there. You want them, at the worst, to be able to say, maybe they didn't win this game, but we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. We could see the pieces come together. What you don't want to see is a jumbled mess. That's the one thing you don't want to see. If this is a mess like a baby eating some food, then we'll all be in a whole lot of trouble coming up against
0: Nebraska. Justin, really similar question that I want to follow up for. How much of this is for Dion to show that he can go to a Power 5 and still have success?
2: You know, he will say that it's for his son, and I get it, right? It's for Shadon Sanders to be able to go and prove that he could play at the Power 5 level. But here's the reality, guys. He's a four-star recruit that had scholarship offers to Alabama, to different areas as well. So he could have played at those different places, right? So there's one side of that. On the other side, come on, guys, let's call it what it is. We've all been around professional athletes. Whenever you have guys who are high achievers, professional athletes, the the 1% of the 1%, they have an ego, and they also try to prove something. 100% Deion Sanders is trying to prove that he could be able to coach at this level. And let's not forget this, guy. He didn't take the route where you have to be a position coach in order to be that head coach. He started off as a head coach going to Jackson State for a couple of years and then made his way over to CU. So he has a lot to prove as well outside of that.
1: What's the risk of trying to prove too much too quickly? I mean, is that a thing that you can be concerned about with players or with coaches? I
2: don't think there's not really too much you should really be concerned about, to be honest with you, especially with the transfer portal. I mean, it's – you know, the thing is, I guess, is that you try to – you know – for example, when we look at the Nuggets, right? They said for years we're not taking any shortcuts, right? That's what we loved about the Denver Nuggets. It paid off for years. It took a while, but it paid off for them. To finally, winning the championship. Using them as an example, the Buffs this time around, though, is you look at this team and say maybe they're having a whole lot of shortcuts. But that's the reality of what it is. We could totally rebuild a roster through the transfer portal. So. That might be the only thing that it is, is that they take shortcuts. That's the biggest risk to be. And to be honest with you, look, when, you, when you're a team that goes under some sort um, of adversity, and you could talk about adversity all you want in practice, but when there's adversity in the games, what are the biggest risks is that your team can break apart a whole lot faster because they didn't have that time to come together earlier?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, microscopes. Pointed at this program. Um, I I mean, I think it has everything to do with with Dion coming from Jackson. I think it has to do with an athletic department that was willing to make an investment to try to put themselves back on the map. I think what you just brought up about trying to show that you can do something like this through the transfer portal, especially when there's been a lot of coaches that have taken shots uh, at Dion and at CU for what they have done um, all, all the way to uh, you know, changing conferences. I mean, there, there's microscopes being pointed at this program and, and at the coaching staff and at the the kids that are playing from so many different angles right now that I feel like there's, there's not a direction you can look at this team and not say that there is something they are trying to prove.
2: Yeah, but you know what? I would say with all those arrows that are pointed at the bus, let me have you follow a road. I call it the yellow brick road or maybe the golden road because there's a whole lot of money that's being made right now because of Deion Sanders' presence. I mean, you have hotels. Guys, get this. I'm, I'm doing a story for uh, CBS uh, Colorado next week, and I'm hearing that for the Nebraska game, that hotels are sold out, and the only way that you can go get a hotel is if you go to Westminster. So we're talking about from Boulder, Broomfield, all those other different places, they're going to be sold out. The only place you go and get one in Westminster. What does that mean, guys, is that because so many different arrows and so many people have eyes on you now, that means that there is a big opportunity for the university to be able to make money. All you have to do is not drop the ball. You have the football right in your hands. Don't fumble the pigskin, especially on Saturday.
1: Well, it sounds easy, but you won one game last year. So uh, right. looking <laughs> looking forward uh, for this, realistically and, and earlier in, in in the week, uh, Deion Sanders talk, was talking specifically about Alt McCaskill, but said, you know, we expect to win and we will win in due time. Mm-hmm. I think we both know that's a more realistic approach. But what does this year look like? At what point, if you were to just peer in the crystal ball, the end of the season, you look at a certain number of wins, what do you say, hey, this is all on the right track?
2: If they get six wins, go to a bowl game, that would be a tremendous year. I mean, and it will also show that as a coach, you could be able to go through the transfer portal in your first year totally flip a roster, and to be able to have a winning record. That will be a huge win for the Bucs. Here's my thing, and Sean, you and I would go back and forth on it. They have to upset somebody. They have to upset a marquee opponent. One team that I looked at was USC. Now, again, I may be seeing through, you know, black and gold glasses right now, but that could be one, win, one team that you could be able to beat at home. At the end of the day is this. You have to get to a bowl game. The other part is you have to upset somebody. I don't know who it is, but it has to be one of those top-tier talents because if you do understand that if you think this year the spotlight's on you, wait until next year because all those recruits that had all these questions about how is Deion Sanders serious, what type of direction is Colorado going into, if you are able to do that on the national stage and upset one of those top 25 teams, you would definitely put yourself on the map.
1: Last one for you. What if they don't? What if they miss by one? Oh man! I mean, how much plan. of a difference does oh. that make? I mean, if we're talking about it's a, it's one game and it's a, it comes down to the last minute and it's a field goal that doesn't break their way, one's right. five wins, one six wins in a bowl game. How much of a difference does it really make?
2: I think it makes a huge difference because what you miss out on, guys, and we don't talk about this enough, when you go to a bowl game, you're able to have those extra practices. So what you're doing is you're actually starting spring ball earlier with all the practices that you have of getting prepared for the ball game. So that will be something huge. Let me put another thing out there. Shadur Sanders, that will be another game that he could put on his resume as well for scouts to be able to look at. So that will be another missed opportunity for the Bucs if they're not able to go and get to a bowl game. Now, I want to flip it to another side. Let's say CU, for one reason or another, somehow wins like eight or nine games. I'm not saying that they are, but let's live it to this fantasy world. Hell, we're already in it already. Do you think Shadur Sanders will really stick around if they win eight, nine games and let's say he throws 30 touchdown passes? We could be seeing a guy who can leave early, which would be the first time since, what, Koy Detmer, <laughs> that somebody that a quarterback from CU has been drafted, and that's back in the mid-'90s. So there's a lot of different things that are out there. I don't really want to see this team be terrible like they were last year. They were awful, guys. I mean, to the point that the starting quarterback, um, I, I forgot what his name was. It's not Olsen. Um Forgive me right now, but they had a starting quarterback last year, the Buffs, who is currently in the group of five as the third-string quarterback. Third-string quarterback. So, guys, if you could just put that out of your mind and know that Shadour Sanders is a whole lot better than that, trust me, it's going to be a lot better. Bowl game, Hopefully. But in any case, it's going to be a better product
1: on the field. Okay, so what I'm hearing is like six or seven is good. Anything more than that is actually bad. We sort of have a sweet spot. Okay, <laughs> yeah. got it. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Here's Justin Adams. Make sure you give him a follow at Justin Adams TV and catch everything he's doing over at CBS News Colorado. Keep an eye out for that story uh, about the Buffs as well soon enough. Have a wonderful and safe holiday weekend. Uh, enjoy the game, and we'll catch you soon.
2: Hey guys, we'll do. Hey, I'm headed down to uh, Fort Worth for the game, also. So pray for me because I will be out there in section 411 in the nosebleeds in 99 degree heat and 40 percent humidity.
0: Well, you so grab might- your grab your boots and hat. and Just go over to the stockyards. You'll be
1: fine. <laughs> and you might run into Sandy because he's out there too. So make sure you say hi. <laughs> I will do. All Thanks, right. Justin. Take care, Justin Adams. Joining us, uh, we'll take a look. Because we, you know, we sort of have to. The Colorado Rockies have not won thirty-seven percent of their games yet. You think they're going to finish better than five hundred the rest of the way? If you don't, hundred losses, dial it up. We'll talk about it next on Milo Sports.
0: Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
1: Welcome back to My Life Sports. Sean Trotar, Nate Lundy with you sitting in today. Sandy Clough is uh, out of town. We got a chance to talk to him a little earlier as he's uh, in the Lone Star State, ready for the Buffs and the Horned Frogs on Saturday. Uh, We turn our attention because, you know, we say every team, every... Day, so we have to, that means we have to cover the ones that um, aren't good. That would be the Colorado Rockies, who when they aren't busy losing in embarrassing fashion, they're getting scolded by the MLBPA because uh, MVP candidates around the league are getting people running all the way into center field to get a selfie with someone before security catches them. Which, if you think about it, that's the farthest position that a fan would have to run to go get to that player in the whole park. Yeah. And they managed to go... Push Ronald Acuna over before security got there. Fantastic job. But the Rockies have 29 games left in the season. They've won one out of their last 10. To avoid 100 losses for the first time in their season, they have to go 15 and 14. That ain't happening. Nope.
0: No, it's not. It, it's pathetic. Uh, it's, and, and look, I, I go through so many different emotions when it comes to the Colorado Rockies. Um, I, I really do. Because uh, it's a it's an absolutely beautiful stadium. It is. It's a gorgeous stadium. Um, It is Denver's best outdoor bar, Mm -hmm. um, without question. Um, The views are beautiful. Um, You know, the rooftop is a lot of fun. Um, If I can get over the fact that everybody on the rooftop is like half my age. But um, anyway, I digress. Uh, it's, It's a ton of fun. So that part of it is positive, right? The downside is everything that takes place on the field. Which is also mixed emotions for me. Like, I like Ryan McMahon. I like Charlie. I like some of the young players. that I like Elias Diaz. I I, I like these guys. I just can't stand the ownership. I can't stand them.
1: The team's just abysmal. It hurts. And and every single time, it, it is funny because, I mean... I grew up here. I I was sort of a dream to have a major league baseball team. And then the the last couple of years, you know, it's, it's been pointless. And this is of course the worst of the bunch. And the funny thing is it was all entirely predictable. The decision to go chase Chris Bryant and I have no, whatever. Chris, that was a
0: dumbass move. Good
1: for Chris Bryant, because I'll tell you what, it was, it was pretty clear that back in the 2013 draft, Mark Appel went first and that was no question. The great, great college pitcher. The Rockies were picking were picking third behind the Chicago Cubs. The presumption at the time from a lot of baseball people was the Cubs wanted a fireballing right hander out of Oklahoma named John Gray, which made sense. They didn't pick him. They picked Chris Bryant. The Rockies wanted Chris Bryant very badly. They wanted him so badly. And because the Rockies never look outside their own organization for help, all the same people who wanted him so badly decided this is our chance to finally land the white whale. And they did with a contract that no one was going to give Chris Bryant whatsoever. And Chris Bryant I think if you were to ask him and get a completely honest answer, and by the way, uh, in Miley Sports Magazine earlier this year, we had a great one-on-one with Chris Bryant, in which you could read a little bit into this. This was a guy that's starting a family, uh, understanding his age and his body breaking down a little bit, and then also understanding what have I accomplished in my career that's lacking. He's been a rookie of the year. He's been an MVP. He was, if not the primary player, uh, certainly among the primary players, that broke the billy goat curse for the Chicago Cubs. Given the the physical ailments since, he's not going to reach those heights again. He's won a World Series. What's left to accomplish for Chris Bryant? The answer is really nothing. And so he was more than content to let the Colorado Rockies pay him an insane amount of money to just show up, wear the uniform around. Basically, look, Chris Bryant is here, and I'm oversimplifying, but Chris Bryant is here on like an old-timer's Remember, you used have old-timers games where you had guys that were, they really couldn't play anymore, but you'd heard of them or watched them as a kid, and they came out and played. Chris Bryant has that contract, except it was $180 million. He's there to put on the contract, uh, to put on the jersey and go, look, this is Chris Bryant. Remember him from all the times he was good? Cheer for him. But he hasn't been able to make an impact for the Rock. He probably never will, but he's close to his, his home. He can make a home here in Denver, raise a family, and understand that there are no expectations whatsoever on him as a player. And he was more than willing to take that, and the Rockies are more satisfied to do it.
0: And that's what's so pathetic about it. You've got players that can want that, that can come here because they know the expectations are so They're low; zero. they don't exist. That it doesn't matter what you do. I I am, and I think that applies to their front office yes. and, and everything else as well. Because Dick Monfort has admitted that he is loyal to a fault. He has. Admitted it. He has
1: used those words. But he also thinks he's he's got the Jerry Jones vibe where he thinks he's a baseball man now and not just the owner. And That's things it. go sideways in that
0: regard. It is look, it is true in business, it is true in sports. You can get to the point where the top level has essentially worn out its welcome. Okay. Um, It's happened. I've talked about this before. Michael Eisner turned the Walt Disney Company around. He rescued it from essentially a hostile takeover um, that was about to take place. He rescued it. He fixed the company. And then, after having been the CEO for a couple decades, it was time for him to go. He was full of himself. Um, There are a number of stories that can, can teach you that, not the least of which is that Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow doesn't exist uh, <laughs> if Eisner had had his way. Um, but you get to the point where the leadership at the top, it's like, okay, something's not right. Something's not right. And even if Monfort and the Monforts, plural, refuse to sell the team, at some point don't you wish there was the ability to look in the mirror and have some self actualization to say I need I need to just sit back and cash checks and smile and sit in my seats and wave and laugh at Dinger and and let somebody else come in here because what I'm doing isn't working. That's right Dinger got attacked too
1: this year. Knockout job by security. Nevertheless, go on.
0: You know, I digress. I don't. I don't encourage it, but I do want Dinger to go away. So he's not for you. Um, not for me either. He's not for anybody, in my opinion. Um, but it, it, and and th- and this is what leads me to all my negative feelings. Right. Aside from the fact that I go back to what I said, uh, uh you know, uh, uh, across the dial uh, a decade ago, when I said, it's not that Dick Monfort doesn't want to win; it's that he doesn't know how. Um, when it, And I'm speaking about baseball. And keeping this all the same people around you isn't, isn't going to teach anything. Isn't going to teach anything. So then I wind up feeling bad for guys like Charlie, for guys like McMahon, for guys like Diaz, for guys like Freeland, all that. I feel bad for these guys because they're stuck in a no-win situation. Now, do I feel bad about their paychecks? Of course I don't. But I also recognize that these guys are human. They're more than just their paycheck. Because I made that statement to a group of people one time and somebody was like, I'd be happy to be in stuck in that rut with eight figures. And I was like, oh, stop being it. You'd, you'd accept it. You would stop be being a, Stop being an a-hole, right? right? Like, I'm sorry. You but would that, probably that, accept it like yes, they do, but you wouldn't. But you're it. not happy. These guys are competitors at heart. They want to win. They want to have, look, they've made it in a sport that they've probably played since they were four. They made it to the absolute pinnacle. And now they're stuck in garbage. They are stuck in garbage. Believe me, right now, do you want to know the saving grace if you're a member of the Oakland A's? You're about to live in Vegas and have a city that is going to wrap its arms around you and embrace you and love you like they do the Golden Knights and like they do the Raiders. And
1: when you look at that situation, too, the 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 Rockies now, with their Run differential. It's the worst. It's worse than Kansas City, that does have a worse record. And the only team that's worse is Oakland, It was tanking, openly tanking. Yes. But Oakland you, doesn't. You look at Oakland the idea. And I mean, look, everyone, I get it. Everyone likes Bud Black, and for good reason. But that's another one of those challenges. You look at this, and in the, in the last three years, they have lost 87 games, then 94 games. This year, they're going to lose 100 games. They finished fourth place, fifth place, and they're going to finish fifth place again, and dead last in the National League. Does anyone think that Bud Black's job's in any danger? And I'm not picking on Bud Black. What I'm saying is that at any other organization that took its baseball seriously, wouldn't we be having a discussion about changing managers?
0: And, and let's also do this. The Houston Astros tanked. They did it a couple of years. But there was a fan base that had belief that they were going to get it right.
1: They were also told flat out they were tanking.
0: Yes. They, they, they basically said, this is what we're doing. We are going to build ourselves back up. Just bear with us. And that fan base was able to have enough faith to say, okay, we trust you. If 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 Dick Monfort or or anybody came out right now and said, We are gonna tank for a couple of years, we are not gonna be good. We are gonna trade but we are but we have a plan to be able to build that back up. There is not a why would, soul why would you trust that? there is not a soul within a five hundred mile radius of Coors Field that would have any faith in this organization to do it right. They
1: thought they might be a winning team this year. They think it every year. Of course they do.
0: And it's, uh, it's, it's just a
1: disaster. It's a Quit shame. Quit
0: blowing smoke up our ass, Dick. Here's the Stop one
1: it. reason to believe. I'll give you one positive before we let this go. This, uh, this weekend, it is Labor Day weekend, usually a great baseball weekend, right? The Rockies are selling tickets for $6. Yeah. Toronto Blue Jays are in town. Well, that enter- very entertaining team to watch. Very entertaining. $6 on Labor Day
0: weekend in the efforts to get Bo people in. Bo will be here. Vlad' mm-hmm. will be here. Vlad will be here. Springer will be here. The list of Merrifield will be here. The list Six goes on and on.
1: So if you don't think that they are noticing the impact, fireworks. it is happening. It is happening. But yeah, eventually they'll fireworks. Well, terms.
0: and and look, it's not a topic for this show in particular, but some of the deterioration that's happened in Lodo is also hurting them. Sure. It is. It really is, and people need but to it not forget that. But it doesn't have to do
1: anything with the, the on-field product, though. Exactly. That's the challenge. We will talk more. Of course, it is a football Friday, and we'll get right back to it on My Life Sports.
0: Sandy Cough and Shondra presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
1: Welcome back to Mile High Sports Nate Lundy with me today is Sandy Sean, I got I got
0: I got I got a beef. I got a beef I got to let I got to let out. I can't let this stuff pile up like this. Earlier this afternoon, knowing that I was going to be filling in uh, for Sandy, I went down the hall. Yeah. There's a little vending room in our building. There is? Yeah. Yeah, I actually did not know that. So down at the end of the building, there's a there's a there's a conference room that we use sometimes when we've got the whole staff in here. Yeah, and then next to there is a there's like a FedEx drop box and a UPS drop box, and then there's a couple of vending machines. That's like a in snack there. machine in there? Yes. Okay. My orientation here sucked. Nobody so, told me that. So there's there's a machine in there, and it, there's a, uh, uh, I, I, I call it pop. Some people call it soda. Some people call it some people call it Coke, whether they're drinking a Coke or not. The point is, there is a sugary carbonated beverage machine. Okay. And this is a little bit on me, maybe, because I wasn't really paying attention. I go in there, do, 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 break out my wallet. I put my dollar bill in there, Sean. And then I discover that everything is sold out except root beer. Mm. Do you want to know why that's important, Sean? Because you don't like root beer? No. There's no caffeine in root beer. Oh, yeah. so like, I like root beer. Oh, you're right, but no caffeine. Now, getting a chance to do a radio show, I, I have a tendency to find my energy, okay? I'm not trying to say that this hasn't been a fun couple hours and all that, but I was really disappointed that I came I, I, and I just I, I got the only thing that didn't have the red light lit up. And it was also deceiving, by the way, because the button for uh, Pepsi – did not have its light lit up. I'm just assuming it must be burnt out. Mm, okay. So the only thing that I could get is this right here. This a root old A&W. beer. A&W. Okay. Which I love. Classic. Which I love. I love. A, I, I don't dislike root beer. But it doesn't have caffeine. You're right. Big fan of floats. But right here at the top in bold letters, all caps no caffeine yeah and that was kind of the point son of a bitch that's not Oh, anyway so i just had to i had to vent about that i don't even know how i've survived this show so
1: far <laughs> well a, we're, we're getting near the tail end of it we we haven't had a chance to talk about this now that uh the practice squad so is set for asleep. the broncos kidding. yeah go ahead, go uh, ahead. i'm sorry 17 man practice squad the broncos yes. did keep an nfl international player who won't be eligible to play this year uh good for them for keeping them one though. And, um, th- it's obvious that Sean Payton has brought in many of his guys. That's all very clear, but the reinvention of the Broncos, I liken it. And I've said it here before that it's more like turning around an ocean liner than a jet ski. Uh, it, it doesn't go as fast as you'd like it to go, but it also doesn't mean even when it doesn't seem like it's moved that much in the right direction, it actually has, you know, the equivalent, like, when, you know, you ever driving, driving by a DIA and airplanes are taking off. And it looks like, how are they possibly going to be fast enough to take off? But then they do. Or they take off and it looks like they're still flying 20 miles an hour. Well, that's because they're huge. And so your frame of reference is off. And for a multi-billion dollar NFL franchise, the Broncos may not even be that many games better this year. They may not even get that many more wins. But it doesn't mean they're not turned in the right direction. Thus far, I'm firmly in the camp of believing that they are turning in the right direction. How long it takes to get there is the next question, because I don't think it'll be this year.
0: No, no, it won't be. Um, You know, the over-under win total is eight and a half. Um, I'm on the under. I think you're in that same boat. Um, It is going to take a little while, Um, and and, and that's going to be really frustrating for some fans. Um, You know, there were people that thought, you know, that – they were going to be Thanos and snap their fingers and that, you know, Russell Wilson was going to make everything better. Um, That didn't happen last year. Now they think that the same thing's going to happen with Sean Payton and his shoe deal. Um, That's not going to happen. Um, It takes some time and, and, and folks, I've talked about this so many damn times. So has Sean. Please remember that part of turning the ocean liner, if you will, Is to remember that you are not the only boat on the water. Right. And that's the other problem is are the Broncos. Do I think the Broncos will finish with a better record than the Las Vegas Raiders? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. I do believe that this year. Do I believe that the chargers and chiefs are better? Yes. And I actually believe it's not even a close discussion. Not yet. So not only are you slowly turning the ship or getting the plane off the ground, to use the analogy that you just did a second ago.
1: We're just, you know, not near an ocean in Colorado, so I thought are also see the plane.
0: But you're also doing so when you're not the only plane on the runway, right? Like, you're you're not the only one. So you can get better, but in order to surpass— In your division to the point where you can participate in the postseason. One of those two teams, the Chargers or the Chiefs, needs to take even a small step backwards. To make it easier for you to catch them. Because Mahomes isn't going anywhere, folks. Get used to staring at the Chiefs in the standings every flipping year. It's not going to change. And guess what? That's what Kansas City felt like when John Elway was here. So, you know, they're just returning the favor now. Um, so, but you, you don't do it in a vacuum. I've used, I've used that analogy before the other comparison that I like to make for people to wrap their heads around. When you think about trying to improve your standing within the NFL world is to talk about the PGA tour. Okay. And that is because I have watched PGA tour events where I have said That round, we'll use our guy, Wyndham Clark, right? Mm -hmm. Our local. And you'll sit there and go, man, man, Wyndham Clark shot uh, seven under today. Yeah, well, Rory shot nine. That doesn't mean that Wyndham didn't have a great round Mm -hmm. or didn't perform really well.
1: But you're just not in control of the total
0: process. But you're not in control of how you're not in control of a lot of the Mm -hmm. other teams. You are in a head to head, which is where you control a little bit of your destiny within your own division. Right, But if you think about it and you think about the Broncos schedule as it sits right now, you have 11 games that are somewhat randomized. I mean, I know it's based on finish and all that, but are kind of randomized year to year. There are teams in the league, you know, 18 of them to be exact, that you're not going to play. You don't control any of that. This
1: is, this is the problem, and you, you really hit it on the head, because I think the Broncos can be better. I think they will be better. I do think under Sean Payton there is a clear uh, goal and a methodology in meeting that goal that will bear fruit. Uh, will Russell Wilson be part of it by the time the Broncos are a playoff team again? I don't know. But to, to your point, I mean, here's the standings last year from the AFC, and we know that the AFC has gotten stronger not weaker. Aaron Rodgers has moved in. I mean, it's gotten stronger. There are only two teams worse than the Broncos last year. They finished 14 and 16 out of the 16 teams in the AFC. The Texans and the Colts. I feel they're better than the Texans. They're probably better than the Colts. The Colts are a mess right now because of their owner. Right. Are they better than the Raiders? Okay, I think so. That was the team that was directly ahead of them. But you need to jump from 14 into seven. So here's the question. Let's just go down it. Kansas City, they them that far? No. Buffalo? No. No. Cincinnati? No. No. Chargers? No. Ravens? No, I don't think so. No,
0: I don't think so, but I don't think the Ravens are going in the right direction
1: Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are in a terrible division. They ought to win that division.
0: And I think Jacksonville is getting better, not worse. Uh, Miami? Uh, I think they overachieved
1: a bit last year, but I don't... I think they
0: overachieved. It also has to do with how much of Tua Tagovailoa's brain is scrambled eggs right now.
1: Yeah, well, and they were... Four games ahead of the Broncos, almost doubled their wins. So, okay, maybe the Broncos are trending in the right direction while the Ravens and Dolphins are not. Steelers are trending up. They won nine games last year. Kenny Pickett looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the preseason. I know it's preseason, but he looks like he belongs. Uh, the Patriots may be going in the wrong direction, but the Jets certainly are not. Uh, the Titans maybe a little bit are, but the Browns probably are not. I think the Browns are better than a 7-10 and 10 win team I, now that they've gotten everything back in order. So,
0: I think the Browns are on par with the Broncos. Okay, will be completely honest, so we have the Raiders you. and the Browns and the
1: Titans, and let's say those those are all teams that won seven to five games, and they're all in a pile. So let's even just hypothetically put the Broncos to the top of that. You have to jump now. Three teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, and one team that did. You have the Jets, the Patriots. Now even granted the Patriots, let's just say. Now you have the Jets and the Steelers you have to jump over, and either Baltimore or Miami has to fall behind Denver.
0: Which is why it's so important for fans to recognize that this is it's your It's just slope. not likely gonna it's, happen. It's not it's not likely to happen in 2023. Will you take some steps towards it in 2024? I want to go back to something that you said, Sean. You said, will Russell Wilson still be a part of this team by the time they make the turn? Who knows? Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I think the question that has to be answered far sooner than that is, will George Payton?
1: I think this is George Payton's last year, regardless of how so this out, because Sean Payton already runs the show. That, that that die was cast when the, I will say, the theater of potentially trading Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy manifested prior to the draft. They weren't planning on trading either of those guys. They wanted to dangle out there and say, hey, if someone wanted to give us something crazy, we'll talk. Somebody wants to give us a a second or a first for Sutton. We'll take it. If someone wants to give us first for Judy, we'd probably take it. Uh, Nobody was going to give them either of those things. But at one point, Sean Payton said specifically, they kind of played good cop, bad cop as if Payton didn't want to trade them at all and said that the George Payton's job specifically was just to pick up the phone and tell them, no, thanks. And that was, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that was Sean Payton's quote. I'm only paraphrasing a bit. So, George Payton's job is to pick up the phone and tell them tell them we're not trading them. Uh, George Payton answers to Sean Payton. Sean Payton is the coach and the GM. They are going back to the Mike Shanahan style. You brought in Sean Payton to run the show, stem to stern. If, if it's attached to football,
0: he's running it. And, and, and I, I want to be clear. I actually kind of like George Payton. I think I think Sean Payton likes George Payton. I think I think like I'll be honest with you. I think what they did, uh, what they were able to pull off with uh, Bradley Chubb, what they were able to pull off with Von Miller, I think there were a number of things that were very smartly done from a management standpoint of this team. So I'm not trying to throw the guy under the bus.
1: It's a question if can George Payton, who got hired as the GM, be okay in working in a role where you have the title but not the job.
0: Maybe so. And and, and maybe and, and, maybe he does. Maybe and, he's okay. And, and maybe and maybe that is the case. And we'll find out. But I just throw that out there because you talk about will Russ still be here? Well, to me, will George Payton still be here? And I think that's something worth Worth answering. Um, Well, and 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 one might lead
1: to the other. If Russell Wilson can't get it back and has a very bad year, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell you what, Sean Payton's not going to take the fall for it. But somebody probably will. And it might
0: end up being the guy who traded for him. And it could be. There's always somebody that has to fall on the sword.
1: I don't think Wilson is going to have a disastrous year. I think his best days are behind him. I don't think you're going to go back and see the... I don't think the best of Russell Wilson is yet to come. I don't think you're waiting for a a Peyton Manning-style encore. I don't think that's happening. But I think that last year was somewhat anomalous. He was essentially not coached at all. And while Russell Wilson may have believed he didn't need that, the truth is he did, and it's obvious over the course of his career he does. So I think he'll be better. I, I also give Wilson credit, because even watching him in practices and the joint practices and in the preseason, what I think we've seen is a clear effort an effort on Russell Wilson's part to do what he was asked. In the first preseason game, when he played a decent chunk of time there, uh, only one of his 14 attempts was actually a rollout. And he took hit after hit after hit, trying to stay in the pocket, trying to do what he's being asked to do. So if Russell Wilson is on board, whether he loves it or not is irrelevant. But if he's on board on doing what the team is asking him to do, I feel that success will certainly come after that mm-hmm. as to what level. I don't think we know that depends on his age and whether he can avoid injury. Yeah. And I an mean, offensive line that is subpar still.
0: Yes. It's an offensive line that still needs help. It's a defensive line that needs help. It needs depth more than anything else. Um, both lines do. But that's, I, I'll be honest with you, but thats I think that's a problem for almost every NFL team. So, um, I mean, I think the Broncos are on the south end of average. Uh, when it comes to that, but I also believe that all NFL teams would tell you that they would happily take more depth on their offense or their defensive line if they could get it. It's also the positions that, especially on the O-line, it's the positions that tend to lend itself to the injuries, the kind of thing where uh, you, 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 get, you get injured uh, you know, late in the second quarter and you have to miss the entire second half. Uh, you, you, you get an injury where you're forced to miss a game. Or maybe two, and then you're back. Um, I mean, these guys in the trenches get their butts kicked so consistently um, that I think everybody would take it. I think that plays into what's going on with Russ. Um, you know, Jerry Judy keeps getting tweaked. Um, same thing's happening, unfortunately, to Tim Patrick, because I love Tim Patrick. I, he's a, I, I, I've been a part of a number of charity events, so have you, Sean. Um, and, and Tim will show up, and he takes pictures, and he signs autographs, and he's just he's genuinely... Um, it loves being there, right? Loves interacting with the kids or interacting with the fans. He's just, I, I want so badly to see him be able to um, continue his dream of being on the football field. Um, so there's just, there's so many things that have gone against this team. And here we are talking about whether or not the GM's going to still be around. It's like, I feel like for every little ray of sunshine, there is another cloud somewhere in the room.
1: Well, there's a way to fix that, and let's start playing better in football games. And as Gary Kubiak once said, we're fixing to find out. Not all that far. The uh, opener just a handful of days away, really, as we speak a little more than a week. It's been fun having Nate Lundy in here today. You can follow him on Twitter, at Nate Lundy. And, of course, uh, you're going to join us tomorrow as well. Appreciate it. Sandy Clough joined us from Fort Worth to uh, check in on the Buffs and the Horn Frogs. And uh, Justin Adams joined us from CBS News Colorado to talk about the Buffaloes as well. That will do it for us but we will be back tomorrow for danny bailey in the booth making everything work thanks to all of you who listened uh, over fm the hd radio on MileHighSports.com, either watch or listen or the ones that just cut out all those middlemen and went right to the mile high sports app the easiest way to get everything mile high sports including all the latest with the broncos all the writing and even the magazine which you can check out as well for nate i'm sean we'll be back tomorrow but keep it right here on mile high sports